Over the last several Sundays during this season after Epiphany, we have been hearing stories from the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, how he called and created around him a community of close followers to participate in his ministry, and then how he went into synagogues proclaiming the reign of God and demonstrating the power of that reign with little glimpses as in the casting out of a demon, for example. All of these are pointing, though, to greater things than these that will occur when Jesus goes to the cross, and then ultimately when God sets all things right in the new creation. This Sunday, our gospel lesson takes us inside Jesus' public ministry a bit with three scenes. We sort of get at the inner workings of how Jesus went about his task of proclaiming God's kingdom and announcing the new thing God is about to do. And I suggest that these scenes have implications for us at this very time in our church's life when we're in transition, getting ready for what God will do next among us. And it also has something to say to us as individuals as we participate in God's missional work on behalf of Jesus, all pointing to the greater things that God has in store. So part one, the inner workings of Jesus' ministry in three scenes. The first involves Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus went to the house of Simon and Andrew and was told about Peter's mother-in-law who was sick with a fever. Luke tells us it was a great fever, so we're probably talking about malaria, which in antiquity was a death sentence. But Jesus took her by the hand, lifted her up, and wonder of wonders, the fever left her, and she began to serve them. Notice Jesus is here attending to the group that is following him closely. This is not something out in public. This is something private. And her beginning to serve them hints at what will become a reality very quickly that part of the way Jesus and his disciples were able to go about their ministry was that they were receiving support from a group of Galilean women. And that would continue all the way to Jerusalem. In the second uh, scene, night has fallen. And evening is the worst time for illness. It's a time of darkness, so it's not hard to understand how the demonic might be at work as well. The sick and demon-possessed are brought to Jesus. The whole city is gathering around the door. He cured many. He cast out many. He silenced the demons because they knew him. Now, these wonderful deeds of Jesus, as we've talked about previously, are signs of what God will eventually do when there is no more sorrow, sickness, pain, or death. But did the people realize that this was a sign of that? Did they come because they understood? Or did they come because they were amazed or in desperate need or curious? 
that you sort of get a sense from this part of the story that the battery was getting low, to quote from the children's message. Jesus is almost overwhelmed by what's going on. And there's no proclamation of God's coming reign, no direct connection between what Jesus is doing and what will be someday, no mention of what must take place first in Jerusalem to defeat the powers of Satan. It's a bit of a frightening story. And then, scene three, in the morning, Jesus leaves before sunrise and goes to a deserted place, the place of the supernatural, the place where prophets went to find God, the place where demons lurked. And there he prayed. Now, stories of Jesus praying are rare. In Mark's gospel, only two other times does Mark record Jesus praying, after the feeding of the 5,000 and at Gethsemane. So this, in Mark's view, is a significant moment, perhaps a divine consultation. What was Jesus to do in view of what was happening? The crowds are coming, but are they coming for the right reason? And then Simon and those with him show up, and they confront him. The language in Greek is they hunted him down. All these people are seeking you, Peter says, as if to say, what are you doing here? They need you back there. Go and continue to do what you were doing. But Jesus says, let's go elsewhere to the neighboring towns. And you get a little bit of the sense of the trying to figure out this ministry thing in the first followers. But Jesus provides rationale. I go so that I might proclaim there. A sort of recalibration. Less focus on the miraculous, more on the proclamation. And Mark's gospel is always pushing us beyond the mighty deeds to that great deed in Jerusalem and to the coming of God's promised kingdom. For this is why I have come, Jesus said. Despite the needs of people, for physical healing, though that healing is just for this life. The ministry of Jesus is about eternal things as well. The text ends, sorry, I forgot to advance the slide. The text ends with a description of the ongoing ministry. He went to villages throughout Galilee, doing the very thing he did at the beginning, entering, in their, entering into their synagogues, proclaiming the reign of God, and doing mighty deeds. Implications for us as we go forward. The healing of Peter's mother-in-law. Caring for those in the community is an important part of the work of the church in view of their needs and because of their role. Sometimes, unfortunately, the church focuses too much on internal needs and the mission suffers. But mission-focused congregations must also keep in mind that those who help make the mission possible. And as as you seek a new pastor, this is a good time to have some of those conversations about balance in what 
you do. And I even see a bit of that calibration going on with the emergence of a, a new group among us, the, the day brighteners who can be visiting homebound members. So figuring out the balance of ministry is a constant process, and it's good to be engaged in that, especially at a time of transition. The night healing of Jesus reminds the church, reminds us of the critical need of uh, the critical work of addressing the physical needs of those outside the church. And those needs are many. And this is an area where this congregation really shines from blessed to be blessing to so many things that you are involved in. I'm just amazed. But even Jesus at times could struggle a bit in trying to provide all the help that was asked of him and how to connect that to his larger purpose and ministry. So it is important for us as well to be in conversation with each other about how what we do for others can open the door and foster what we're really all about, which is the spread of the gospel. If Jesus could be overwhelmed, that's a bit of caution for us as well. We best serve God's mission when we are alert and focused on how our efforts might open the door for gospel proclamation. And a transition is a good time for a congregation to be conversing about these matters. In the third scene, Jesus goes to pray. And that Jesus chose to withdraw and pray is an important reminder to us of the need that we do that also. So you'll hear later today in the announcements about a, a new prayer focus for the, for the congregation, Pray Local, on Wednesdays at 7 p.m., part of the efforts to do exactly what Jesus did in this text. And there's an email chain as well that will be part of it adding to the prayers we do on Sunday. It is critical at a time of transition such as ours to take this example of Jesus and run with it. And the need for prayer is illustrated also by that not so comfortable exchange between Jesus and Peter. What shall we do as we go forward? What new directions might we take on? It is in a time of prayer that we are most open to what God would have us do. And we have the promise from the end of our first lesson. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings of, of like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. Prayer refocusing, recalling the mission, remembering what Jesus came to do. These are all part of our opportunity during this time of transition. But there are also implications for us as individuals in the church. The healing of Peter's mother-in-law. If caring for members of our community is part of our task, then each of us in the community are called on 
to be attentive to care for self as well. Even as Peter's mother-in-law could be about her tasks again when Jesus raised her up, each of us, as we care for ourselves, are better able to be involved in the mission activities of the church. Now, self-care has a, a physical side, lifestyle, exercise, all those things that make for one's tank to be full physically. But self-care has an important spiritual side, engaging in prayer, being in God's word, receiving the sacrament that we share today, gathering with God's people. The night healings also speak to individuals involved in the mission. Our mission is about saving souls, but the needs of the body can be so overwhelming. James writes, if a brother or sister is fully clothed, or is poorly clothed, or lacking daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Care for the physical needs of others is part of what we do so that we can share the gospel with them. It's a way of showing the love of Jesus, and it's essential to the mission of each and every Christian. But it can overwhelm. The poor you will always have with you, Jesus says. The story of the night healings is a call to help others, but within the context of the larger mission. If all you find yourself doing is addressing the physical needs of others, the mission has greater things than these in which you may engage. And then there is prayer, this final scene. It really is an invitation to pray, an invitation to consider, again, the focus of your personal involvement in missional work. It's an invitation to recall what Jesus came to do, an invitation to follow him to the neighboring towns to proclaim the message there also. This transition in the life of the church will, will bring about new things for each of you. A new pastor will arrive to leave. That arrival will raise new opportunities as the mission of this congregation moves to its next phase. What a wonderful time to respond, here am I, send me. And Isaiah's promise to the community rests on each of you as well. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Today's gospel lesson has taken us inside the ministry of Jesus as it moves to a new stage. We, in this place, are also in a time of transition. And a consideration of this text presents to us possibilities, greater things than these, that may indeed be in store for us. So what are the takeaways? From the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, we learn that care for the community and self is part of our work together. From the night healings, we learn 
that addressing physical needs of others not only helps them with their daily life, but is an important opening for the gospel. And the time of prayer is a reminder that prayer does open the door to the direction that God would have us go in Jesus. So, let us go forth knowing that greater things than these God has in store for us. In the name of Jesus. Amen.